Christian New Hope that you've been made to feel welcome. Uh, we're going to continue our sermon series today on finding hope in a world of hurt. And uh, certainly there is a lot of hurt in the world. And if ever there was a need for hope, it's today. Would you say amen to that? I'm going to begin today by a word of prayer. Will you join me? Father, we are grateful to be in your house. Thank you so much for loving us and wanting us. And God, thank you for your grace and mercy fresh and new every day. As we front things in life and challenges of life, we may find hope today in knowing that you love us. Not only that you love us, but that we're going to spend eternity with you if we choose to follow you and partake of what Jesus did on the cross. Today, God, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. I pray as we go into this hour, Lord, that your spirit would speak and that you would be glorified. These things we ask in your son's name. Amen. It's his name that we do pray. It is his name that everybody together said. Well, today we're going to talk about finding hope in a world of hurt. And uh, several years ago, there was a movie that came out, and it said, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Now, I have daughters. I've probably watched that movie 1.2 million times. In fact, I have a pair of red slippers that I bought at the, uh, the store up in New York for my youngest daughter. She loves that. She loves that movie that they did that back in an interesting movie. But there is no place like home. And it's true. Uh, it's true that there is no place like home. This, this past summer, I shared with some of you that I had the wonderful blessing of, of taking a trip. And we spent 14 days out. And we were in a beautiful part of the United States. And it was awesome. But you know what? One of the best parts of the trip was when I came back across Indiana and I saw that sign that said, Welcome to Kentucky. Because there's no place, no place like home. And it felt good to come home. And so today when we talk about finding hope in a world of hurt, I want to encourage you to remember that as children of God, this isn't our home. This is a temporary dwelling place. Would you agree with that? And so as we start this today, I'm going to ask you a question. And and, and i got to stop the clock. We're going to pick this up here in just a second. I'm going to ask you, would you talk to the person next to you that's getting ready to get out? Because some of you uh, men, you're probably going to need your wife to help you figure this one out. But I'm going to ask you a question. And you've got 30 seconds. That's how long it took me to figure that out. Early service, and I know there aren't any early service questions. How many homes have you lived in since you were born? Start the clock. question was and is, how many homes have you lived in in your entire life? Anybody here lived in more than 10 places? Anybody here lived in more than 15 places? Hold them up. Anybody here lived in more than 20? Hold them up. We're getting thinner now. 20? We got, we got 20 back there, right? I feel like I'm an auctioneer. We got 20. Here. 20. All right. How many of you have lived uh, 25? 25. There we go. Okay, we got 26. Higher. Okay, 28. Okay, so over 30 maybe, right? Okay, over 30. So he's, he's got that. How many of you have lived in less than five, four, three, two, one? So we've got everything from over 30 to one. How amazing is
because that, when you think about it, I got to calculating, and uh, Diane, I think you live in like 21 years, right? I've lived in 21. We've lived in 15 together. But the home is the anchor to our soul. This gives me a place to anchor. It's a place where we find security, and home is what Peter is talking about in his letter that he wrote to these folks that we've looked at last week. We're going to continue in the book of Peter, 1 Peter. So what we have is we have the context of a group of people that were Christians. They were falsely accused uh, of, of starting a, a fire and riots in, in this province, and they had to disperse, if you remember the story. They had to leave, and so they left everything that they knew, and they were dispersed throughout the province of Rome. And Peter's writing this letter to these folks because I don't know about you, but if you've ever lost everything you had or if you've had to, you know, move, pull up your roots and move, you know it can be very troubling. And so he's telling them in a world of hurt that this isn't home to hang on, that there's more to come. And, and, and Paul reminds us of that as well. Paul talks about the same concept in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Here's what he says. Watch this. Paul says this. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly awaiting his return as our Savior. Whew. Now you think about this. You've lost your business. You've had to move. You've had to pull up your roots. You had to go somewhere else. And he writes you a letter and says, look, man, I know it's tough. I know things are rough around here. I know your world may be caving in. But listen, this isn't your home. You're a citizen of heaven. You know what? That's a universal principle today because you may be going all kinds of, maybe going through all kinds of things in your life. And I want to remind you. That as a child of God, this is not your home. Even though there may have been over 30, there may have only been one, this is not your home as a child of God. This is a temporary place. And so I'm going to go on to this and look at this and find hope in this, that our living hope is what Jesus gives us because we have a home in heaven. And so someday we'll be in his presence in that home forever. Today I want to look at three questions I want to try to answer them. Where is our home? How can we have hope? Why should we live sensibly? It's important that we shouldn't take it for granted. We talked about 1 Peter. As he wrote to these people, here's what he said. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Man, I could preach an hour on that. In his great mercy. You know what mercy is? It's extending something to us that we don't deserve. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth, and it's a living hope. What's the hope in? It's through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead into an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you as a believer. And last week we talked about that word kept. That word kept is a military term that he's using, that it's protected like the military, that God's holding this. Two things that really stick out is that he's prepared a place for us. Man, isn't that awesome? We have that hope. And so today when we talk about the question, we ask the question, where is your home? For now, it's here. It's a temporary assignment. So how are we to live our lives as disciples in this world? Well, I believe that we're supposed to live them like Jesus. We're supposed to look like Jesus, act like Jesus. Am I talking physically? No. I'm talking about what he did, the actions of what he did. In fact, when you see the pictures of Jesus, I, I was growing up as a kid in the, the church that I, I used to attend. They had his picture right up here next to the charts that told how many were in Sunday school and, and worship. Remember that? Any of you ever remember that? And he was in a picture of Jesus, and, and he was smiling. And I thought, man, that's really cool, you know. And then, and then I saw one where he stood at the door, and he, and, he, and he had long hair, and he was standing at the door, you know. It kind of bothered me in the 60s that they all wanted us to get our hair cut because Jesus had long hair. It was different. That's what I told my mother when she said, it's time to get your hair cut. I said, yeah, yeah, Jesus had long hair, you know. 
But when he's talking about looking and being like Jesus, when he talks about that, he's talking about what he did as a reaction. That's what we're supposed to do in this assignment. We're supposed to be like and we can look like Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus came and lived among us and showed us the greatest example the world's ever seen. He walked among men sharing the love of God and giving thanks to God. Eternity. This world is only temporary. Eternity is forever. <laughs> I'm not even sure I can comprehend that. Eternity is forever. Think about that. Now, down here on this earth, somebody lives to be 100, man, they've really done something. And they have. We throw parties, and it's awesome, isn't it? We had a lady lived in, this, uh, in our church that lived to be 105. She's the sweetest lady I ever, one of them I've ever met in my life. You know, sometimes when you get older, this one, the other lady I met was 100 years old, and she said, you know what I like about being 100 years old? I said, mm-mm. She said, I can say whatever I want to say. I don't have to worry about it. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. But when we think about 100 years, that's really something on this side. But when you put that in light of eternity, 100 years and so when we talk about eternity, we're talking about a place where we're going to long to be with Jesus because of what Jesus did and because he loved us. And it's a place that you can't even comprehend it. The Bible says that the, the gates are pearl, the walls are jasper, the streets are made of gold. The most precious thing that we have in this world, we're a little peep in it, walking on it. Isn't it? Let me tell you something. I'm not even sure that we'll see the street because Jesus is coming. telling you, that moves my heart a little bit because of what Jesus did for us. We'll be able to look him in the eye when we die. We'll be able to see him. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So we read about this, and we're encouraged by this, and these people that have been scattered abroad, he's telling them, if you're in a strange land, if you're in a strange land, in a strange land, because this isn't home, this earth is not home yet. 1 Peter 1.17 says, If you call on a father who judges each person's words impartially, live out your own time as a foreigner and resident with him. The word foreigner translated alien. And the, one, the, the definition of alien is one who lives in a place that is not a true home. And that's what we are, foreigners and aliens. That's Christ's body. If you read the scripture, you see the theme over and over and over again of that connection. Someone said it like this. If you want to make the best use of your life, you and I must never forget two truths. One, compared to eternity, life is extremely brief. Number two, earth is only temporary residence. C.S. Lewis, I love his writings. He's one of those guys I have to read him several times a line because they get so deep. He said, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. God put you here on this earth. This past week I had a conversation with a woman, 84 years old. She had a bad knee. Um, had, had some situations with health issues, and, and she had to go have some medical attention, and, and, and I talked to her, and she said, you know what, we're coming home, Kent, and on the way home, I don't know why they didn't just drop me off at the funeral home. She said, I'm 84 years old, and, and I don't feel like I'm of use to anybody, and I let her have it, man. I respected her. <laughs> I said, you listen to me, and you listen real clear, and I mean it, folks, you listen to this. You're here today because God wants you here. And we'll go home when God says it's time. And until he does, he's got a purpose for you today. You hear me? Amen? And it don't matter whether you're 5, 10, 15, or 84. If you're breathing, God's got a purpose for you. I don't have much to say about that. I think you want to get off the phone. 
I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to minimize, and I'm serious about this, and I'm not trying to minimize. We go through things in life, and I know it's a struggle. And sometimes when you're older, I, I, I can't even imagine some of the things that we go through in our life. But I want to tell you something. place where you're, where you're kind of felt out of place sometimes, you know, and that sometimes it's like that in life, you're like, you know, I, I was, uh, a couple months ago, I was with a couple guys, one of them was a real scientist, I mean, a real, he actually, you know, was out in Mexi- New Mexico, and, and he, he was, I was sitting with him and another guy that was an engineer, so you got, you got a scientist, brilliant scientist, you got an engineer who's got, you know, engineers have minds that are phenomenal, right, they just, and, and, and then you got a hillbilly sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and these guys start talking, and I'm just like, say anything because I, I, I couldn't I couldn't hear this conversation and they're talking about like the tech ball thing and this thing like that and I'm like going what if you want to sing a song I'm in man I got this but I felt out of place and sometimes in this world as children of God we feel out of place but I want to tell you something God put us here for a reason and for a purpose and that's to share the message to share the message of the cross and our faith should be strong our faith should be big Listen, this isn't home. I heard a preacher say one time when we die and we get to heaven, he said, we're going to look back at earth and we're going to say, man, that was like playing in a two-point game. Kind of messed. Hebrews 13, verse 14 says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home that's to come. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, for we know that this earthly tent that we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. If you think about it as a believer, think about that. As a believer, you're shows folks in the Bible how he felt about heaven. He, he looked forward to heaven. He referenced it that living here on earth was like a corpse compared to what we would see in heaven. And he just references a mansion. A mansion that he's prepared for us. Yes, there are things in this world that are going to get us there. And it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. I had a funeral yesterday and there's nothing. It's been a tough week. It feels like the Jews went back into exile. Situations come and go. They change. have hope. Our text says that we have living hope. It's not an ordinary hope. You know, I can sit here and say, man, I, you know, I'd like to pick up maybe win the lottery or hope I get a new Harley this year. That's hope. That's temporary hope. That's wishful thinking is what that is. But it's like a teacher after second grade class said, said what is the definition of hope? And one said, hope is wishing something you know isn't going to happen. The answer is we can have hope by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. You and I were made by God and for God. And until we understand that, our lives are never meant for this world. I've said this before, and, and we get it upside down. And, and Adam and Eve did the same thing. If you look at that example of that story in, in that story, you know, basically we have people who are going to do what they want to do, and they don't want to start with God. And when we start with what we want to do, instead of what God wants us to do, we're building a house of cards and it's going to collapse eventually. But when we start where God wants us to start, and we recognize that he's got a purpose for our life, and that purpose is to bring glory to him and, and to use the gifts and the graces that he's given you. Recognize this. You are here today. You're one. One. You are who you are, and God created you just, you're it. You're the one he created as far as like you. You understand what I'm saying? There's no other you. Does that make sense? You're special. You're very special. You were created for this purpose. You're not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God planned you. 
Psalms 139, verse 15, it says this, You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I feel. This Bible verse is how I was sculpted from nothing to something. It was God's plan from the beginning for you and I to be in fellowship with him. And when we come to the Lord by faith through Jesus Christ, we're born again. And then we realize whose we are. Let me tell you something, born again. You know what that means? That means finding Jesus in your life and experiencing new life, born again. It's a phrase that we use in the church. And when we get that, we find hope and living hope that's not made by human hands. But God himself is our hope. And we're given hope and promise by putting our faith and trust in him and believing that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And he rose again. And God the Father honors every reservation that's made in heaven in the name of Jesus. That's exciting. A few years ago, there was a concert in Cincinnati, and, and it was a big concert. Everybody was trying to get tickets to it, and, and I knew I couldn't afford to go, and I knew I wouldn't get there, but I found out somebody called me and said, you know, you, I thought about you. You might want to go to this, and I've got free everything, parking, passage. You're going to be in a seat up there in a box. Woohoo! And you know what happened? They gave me that stuff, and I walked in. I got out of the car. I parked my car. I walked in. I walked straight up to this line in this hallway. Nobody's in there holding the door. I got my seat. I'm sitting there. Me and Diane are sitting there. I'm like, oh. You know how I got there? Because I knew somebody. Normally, I'm out there standing in the line freezing because I was going, man, I can't wait to get into center seating. You know what I mean? But that's how I knew somebody, and that's how we get into heaven. Through faith. But by the grace of God and knowing him in a personal way, we get there. And he rose again. And there's a reservation that's made. And it doesn't matter doesn't matter our past. He will forgive you. It doesn't matter if we're, you know, we've got a life that's behind. God puts that behind us. And there may be some circumstances we're dealing with in that, but God will forgive you. There's example after example that he gives. And that's grace. And that's mercy. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll do what? I'll give you hope. You know, there's directions and instructions. Life has meaning. We find living in this, we find living hope in this phrase. And, 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 and God gives us a path. He kind of gives us instructions on how we achieve this. Anybody here good at following instructions? One, two. And they're up here in the front, of course. I hate instructions. I mean, I, I ain't got time to do that. I'm going to venture into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and my baby daughter graduated back a few years back, and, and we lived in a, in a house, and we had a bunch of people involved. We set up the picnics in the outer yard. We had a tent. You know, we did the whole deal. We, we put in a new hardwood floor. I mean, Diane was like, show him, Diane. Show him. Show him. Show him. Show him. Show him. And we got it all done, and she goes and buys this little cheap table that's got to be assembled to keep the stuff in place. And she says, here, put this table together. You know, and she had that look, like, got to put the table together. So I took the table, and I went in to the dining room. And Chelsea's standing there with me, and I got this table, and I flipped it upside down, and the legs, you know, were like this. And, and I didn't read the directions. I just saw the table. So I flipped it upside down. She went and got my drill, and I went, yeet, 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 yeet. And I drilled all these holes, and I put it all in there, you know. And it put the table up, and it was, and I drilled it to the floor. And when I, when I pulled it, Chelsea was standing like this. And, man, I mean, she was gone. Like, I ain't got nothing in this. I got nothing here. Well, there were directions in the box, if I'd have read it, there were already holes. All I had to do was just, you know, but I didn't read the directions, and I messed up. 
you know, and I messed up. And that's, oh, by the way, what happened was I, I took the table out and I put a rug over it and people came in through it. I did tell Diane, but it was a couple weeks later. No, I'm kidding. She knew about it. Following directions. And Jesus gave us directions by the blood of Jesus, by faith in Jesus Christ, that we can come into his presence and his presence and his power. Peter gives us, and he goes on to clear instructions in the second chapter. He gives us instructions, 1 Peter 3, verse 10. Here's what he says. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Then he goes on in verse 11. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and strangers to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. See, we're in warfare. I mean, there's, there's, there's struggles going on, and we deal with that. But he says, keep away from those. That's not what we're living in this country. We're supposed to keep going. Stay away from that. He goes on in verse 12 and says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, I want you to see the honor of your neighbor. And you'll give honor to God when he judges righteously. It's important as Christians to have this how we live. Because I believe that some, you may be the only Bible that some people ever read. You know that? You may be the only person, the only thing that they've ever seen about Jesus Christ. And it's important that we share that message. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a fellow, and, and we got to talking, and, and uh, he was telling me some stuff, and, and we, we got into a discussion. And he said something, and I said, well, I just thank God this isn't all there is. And he looked at me, and he said, what do you mean? I said, I mean, I thank God that there's more to, you know, to life. There's a heaven, and there's a place. One of these days, and he said, oh, man, he said, no, nah, this is heaven right here. country, and I, I'm not saying, he was saying, no, he believed this was heaven, this is what, you can, he said, you can have anything you want here, and I said, they're buckets with holes in them, is what they are, all of those things, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. lots of dust in those holes, and they, they were right in there for you to try to crack them open, and I said, you know what, brother, we're going to have to agree to disagree, he said, you're preaching, I said, I am, I think I am, you know, as Christians, we all should be preaching and providing messages. He shared that with him, you know, and, and I don't know if I, he, he said, well, I don't like the way you preach that, and I said, well, I hope I didn't, you didn't think I preached like that, because I'm just saying some things we all need to be doing. We can love each other and be friends and all that, but see, that's, that's a big, <laughs> really? Wow, what a concept, right? Especially in today's world. See, we can disagree and still get along and be friends with each other. Jesus changes our lives. We're to be different, not self-righteous. We're not like that. I'm just talking about walking different, walking different. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. And the last question was, why should we live a distinctive life? Look at verse 21 through 25. This is the original text. And here's what he says. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor even deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his throne and then he always chose to go to his Father. God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. We started today by asking, how many homes, how many homes have you had? And it's, it was interesting. We went from one, one thing to the other. Whatever you came up with today, I want to remind you that it was Christ-like, whatever that number is, Christ-like. 
whatever that number is, that's your number. Because you're going home someday. But until then, until then, I've got to put up with your attitude. I got somebody outside this morning come and said, you know, I got I got changed on a shift. Man, I don't like it. I'm I'm upset, this, 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 that. And I said, no, I understand. I understand. You know, sometimes we're put in places that we don't like. But I said, let me let me let me say this to you. Just think about this. Maybe God's putting you in a place, somebody on that shift that needs to hear this. But it's true. God puts us in places for seasons. That's what Joseph went through. He put these people because they were first. Some of you are smiling at me. I know you, you got a story, ain't you? Because you were in a place. You were in a place. And you weren't planning on this happening. But because the Holy Spirit bore witness or something happened, they asked you a question. You got an opportunity. That's what we're supposed to do as children of God until then. And then we're free. Then we take as many with us as we can because we are home. Because even though we're not home, we belong to the Lord as children because we're his children. And we have the promise of heaven. And it's a place that he prepared for us. My son Jake, I was talking to a pilot this week and he said, Ken, I was flying, I was flying across the ocean and he said, and I came in, he said, I saw the most spectacular thing I'd ever seen in my life. Said it was the way the land laid and the way the horizon was. And after the message was over, there was another pilot coming through. He said, check this one out, man. He said, it's spectacular. And I said, man, that's incredible. Here's where I'm going with this. Think about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. The most beautiful place you've ever been. <clears throat> Four years ago, we went on the bike. We went out and rode through Colorado. We were riding through this thing called the Red Mountain Pass. Oh, my goodness. That thing is, I mean, snow-capped mountains and even to the north blue and blue. And there's still snow on the mountains. And there was... And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm thinking of that passage of Scripture, who art man that thou art mindful of him in the dust? You see something like that and the beauty of something like that. Or how about when your firstborn child died? You went, man, I remember that was one that was beautiful. Beautiful things in this world, there are beautiful things in this world. But let me tell you something. That's what the Scripture says. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love him. That's where we can find home, in the Lord, in Jesus. Rick Warren says it like this, when life gets tough, when you're overwhelmed with doubt, and when you wonder if living for Christ is worth the effort, remember, you are not home yet. I want to close today with a story about three men that were close friends, and they would go on an adventure every year. sitting at the fire the first night, and they, they began to have a conversation, and they, they didn't know that the oldest member of their hunting expedition had accepted Jesus a couple months before they were killed. As they sat there around the fire drinking their coffee and talking, and they talked about their various adventures, and one of the younger guys said, hey, you know what, he said, let's each one answer this question. What is the most exciting experience in all of your life? And one of the men 
he spoke up and he said, you know, I was hunting and he told where it was and he talked about this big game hunt that he was on and, and then he got in front of this animal and he said he saw his eyes and he thought this was going to shoot the animal and he, it was exciting for him to live in that and yada, yada, yada. And, and so he got done and the next guy spoke up and he said, well, I'll tell you, he said, man, I was in Alaska and they were leasing land uh, north up there and he said I was involved in a, an enormous hunt and there was a grizzly bear and he said that thing come running at me and he tell you how excited he was and the adrenaline was pumping and he got the grizzly bear. It's one of the most exciting things I've ever done in my life. He said, hey, so, so what's the most exciting thing you've ever done? And here's the way he said it. He said, I wish I could tell you about the most exciting experience in my life. But it's impossible. And that man said, well, hear me right now. He said, it's happened more than once already. And I stand face to face with it. world to live a perfect life, to give you the grace to impact it. Paul said, I've run the race. I've done the race. But at the end of the race, there's a crown awaiting us in heaven. And I've never experienced that, and I've never given my life to that. I've never attempted that. Confess your sins and believe on his name. No place like home. We have hope today that Christ follows you up there and you follow him. And that's what we're trying to do. Because he rose, we too shall rise again. Someday. And that's what we're trying to do. My prayer that you make that decision, that you've made that decision, and that you remember that on your way. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this scripture